This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, this is Rabbi Wallerstein. Sorry that we're starting so late. Whoever's listening to this year and you're in your car, pull your car over to the side. I do not want you to hear what I'm about to say while you're driving. If you're cooking, turn down the fire, sit in the kitchen by your table, and don't do anything. If you're holding a baby, Put the baby down. Okay. I'm about to say something which my Chava Albert Khan showed me this morning in Shul. Um, and all the Shurim and all the years I've given Shurim, I've never in my life seen something like this. Um, you can send me a million emails. It's not going to change anything. I'm reading it from a safer. It's not a comic book. Um, it's not a fantasy book. It's from a Sefer. And all those who want to buy the Sefer do a little advertisement. It's called the Oitze Plois Hatayra. Okay? And it's written down the Sefer. But he's bringing some of it from the Chidah. This is what he says. You ready? Here we go. So last week's parsha, Yaakov Avinu gave his son Binyamin a bracha. What did he say? He said the following. It's a little bit, now that I, I learned this shot, it's like, how come I didn't ask about this before? Okay, it's just a little interesting question. Binyamin Ze'ev Yitrof. Binyamin is a predatory wolf. Binyamin's a wolf. In the morning, he will devour his prey. Uh, and in the evening he will distribute his spoils and Rashi talks about Yichalik Sholos, Mordechai Esther who came from Minyamin alright in Parshas Vegigash it says when they asked to take um, Binyamin down to Yosef Yehuda's repeating what his father said. And you also uh, take this one for my presence. Right? The Asan. If you do that, it will, um, disaster will befall him. And I will die in a very bad way. Well, uh, why would Yaakov say that? Yaakov would say, if, if you take Vinyaman away from me, I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt me. But why would he say that if you take Binyamin away from me, disaster is going to befall Binyamin? Nothing's going to befall Binyamin. The disaster is Yaakov if you lose Binyamin. Why do you think there'd be a disaster? Okay? And why is he compared to a wolf? Here we go. The parish Rabbeinu Ephraim. Now Rabbeinu Ephraim is a parish that I quote a lot. The Chidob brings him down a lot. Kosav he wrote, Devarim pile ployim, things that are supernaturally amazing. She'ein lehem avana, we we can't understand this. Aderach apshat in in real life. Shemavoyim ashikasa batayra, the the Rabbeinu Ephraim explains what is written in the Torah. Binyamin zeev yitro, Binyamin is a wolf who devours. Eino Mishel Ba'alma. Eino Mashal Ba'alma. It's not that Yaakov Avinu is comparing him to a wolf like against your enemies. It's not a marshal. It's not a parable. Ella, shall we eat him? That at certain times, Hayyabe'emes, Nehapach Lezev. That Benjamin was a wolf man. And there were times that he would turn into a wolf. Shekairin Leifgaro I don't know if it's a different language Who ben Adam It's a person Amishtanel is Ave Who turns into a wolf What? A werewolf, yeah That's what it is, a werewolf Uvishash Amishtanel is When he turns into this When the human being When Binyamin Talk about Binyamin here When the human being would turn into a wolf Raglov Yaitzimi Bank Seifov Legs would come out between his shoulders. 
So he would have like hands, I guess, legs from his shoulders and legs from his bot on the bottom. He'd have four legs and two arms. Kach Binyamin. This is Binyamin was a werewolf. When I was watching this, I told you to sit down. Bank safe of Shachin. Because it says later on in Devarim when it's crazy, when Moshe Rabbeinu gave a bracha to Binyamin, he said, Bank safe of Shachin, you should dwell between your shoulders. Moshe Rabbeinu gave that bracha to Binyamin. But you should know there's one thing he can't change. At all times, Zanov, he has a tail. And a werewolf turns back into a human. Even when he turns back into a human, the, the, the tail he can't get rid of. When this person who turns into a werewolf comes into your house, and you're scared of him. The Eitzah that he shouldn't damage you, he shouldn't hurt you. Take ashes from the fireplace. And speak them all over the place. And he won't hurt you. Are you like, who is Rabbeinu Ephraim? A werewolf? Maybe Divrei Rabbeinu Ephraim Elu. He brings the Chidah brings down these words from the Divrei Rabbeinu Ephraim Besifrei Devash Lufi. It gets scarier. V'ayim Ashevesi Bishmo. And look what I brought down in the name of the Chidah. Alapasuk Vayivrei Elokim Es Adam Etzama. Hashem. Hashem created man B'Tselem Elokim Shetselem B'Album Oishay Zev The word Tselem in that language I don't know what language that is Tselem in that language means a, a beer a, 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 a wolf V'Oisam B'nei Adam and the human beings Shemishtanim Zev that are werewolves that turn into wolves Nivru Misheshes Yimei Bereshes they were created in the first six days of creation they can't, here it comes, here it comes, you think that's something. They can't turn themselves back from a wolf into a human unless they drink the blood of a man or a woman, a vampire. Okay, I warned you. So this whole werewolf vampire thing that they wrote Stories about um, is true. Now we're going to learn the look Okay, so okay, uh, that's that's what he says. Now let's look at the bottom. He says the following. Well, let me finish. I didn't finish the inside yet. Let's go weiter. What happens if you have a child that's born with fangs and a tail? This this we didn't learn this morning. So the Sefer Hasidim talks about this. In his time, there was a baby born with fangs and a tail. In the time of the Sefer Hasidim. So the people who saw the child said, Let's kill the child. In the end, he's going to grow up. He's going to kill people. His fangs and the tail. They went to a chacham in those days. To see a low shinayim shalpanov, pull out the teeth in his mouth. Pazanov tachtov tachtoichu, and the tail that he has coming from his bottom cut off. Until his body becomes like a regular human being, and he won't be able to hurt. He doesn't have the teeth. He brings down a Shiloh. The child's born that it has the, 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 the shape of a human and an animal. Are you allowed to kill it? Is it a human or an animal? Because it could hurt you. So he says like this. Watching this happening through us in the Chaya. 
a, a, a child who becomes who, be, who becomes an animal. What does that mean? A sefer dudoy hasad that brings down in simin pehei. May the master he brings down a story They gave birth to this thing that crawled on all four. It looked like a human until it was a year old. They gave it a bris milo. Then it became totally an animal. It lived 19 years. It didn't look like a human anymore. The mason had died. They paskin that you don't have to be you don't have to sit avelus for that because it ended up becoming a total animal. We're not done. Okay, this is a story from today. So the person who wrote the sefer, his name was. But definitely we have to know this. But he's not writing this on his own. He's bringing it down from his farm. Oh, his name is Zev Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Zev Wolf Zicherman. Okay? He says, he says the following. Any relation to, uh, to Wolf. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> He said, um, I was in the house of Rav He told me it's brought down in an Evan Ezra, an Evan Ezra, on the on the Navi Daniel. That the Evan Ezra, one of his friends, told him. Somebody came named Sardania. And in, in, in that town lived a guy who went nuts. And he ran away from home into the forest. He lived with the wild um, an isle as a ram. With the, with the rams, mountain rams. He lived there with the animals. Like, like uh, who? Like who? Tarzan. No, no, no. Exactly the same story. He became like an ape, right? Tarzan was taken there as a baby. So there's all these stories. He lived there a long time. He didn't walk like a man anymore. He crawled like a, like a ram. And he ate grass. When the king was going, he was hunting in the woods. And between the rams, Nitzag... They captured Gamha Goya They captured this guy who was crazy. Uva Voisov, and they brought him to his parents. Right? Vikiro, I said, Shubanam, they identify him. That's my son. Vidibro, I love, and they answered, they talked to him. He didn't answer them anything. They gave him bread and wine. He wouldn't eat or drink. They gave him grass and hay. He ate. In the middle of the night, Barach Layar, he ran into the woods with the Benai Lion with the Rams. Okay, this is a story that Rav Chaim told him. Alright. So let's end this. What does it have to do with any of us? It tells you that there are things in the world that people talk about that you think is where they get it from, they made it up, it's all in the Torah. Not everything they make up is in the Torah. Okay, this is what he says, listen carefully. Who is this? What is Zev? What is who Ben Adam Shemistanel Zev? It's a person who turns into a wolf. When he when he becomes a werewolf, the, the, the legs come out of his shoulders. The same thing happened to Binyamin. Being safe of Shachem. The way to heal the Zev is if he comes into a house and puts a skin. At some of age, he should take ashes that come from a fire. Spread it all around. He can't get yours. Not a silver bullet, but ashes. Every day they did this in the base of Migdash. There's the meaning of a person who, because the Zev has these, is born with these teeth, fangs. 
וכמו שנאמר לנו לזה, ואפילו שהוא משתנה לא אדם בכל שעה, יש לי זנב. אם הוא יתרס בקנה לאדם יומן, הוא יתרס בקנה לאדם. כך לזה רצו יצס מחלקו של בנימן. בנימן הדס. werewolf. Well, you tore off many Adam, he killed people. He ripped them apart. Rock, when he was near his father, his father was able to heal him, and he didn't turn into a wolf. That's what Yehuda said to Yosef. The child, Binyamin, can't leave his father. ואוסה <laughs> You don't know who my brother is. My brother leaves my father, he's going to end up dying because he's going to turn into a werewolf. Unbelievable. And that means for each brother, they all turned into... No. No, just here. Dunn didn't turn into a snake. No. Makach... These werewolves, people who turn into wolves, they were created in the Shesh Me'abreshes, they can't come back to being just a human, unless they eat the blood of a man or a woman. I warned you. Tyra. This is Tyra. This is Tyra. So this is Torah, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a Chiddush Gadol to say that Binyamin, who was one of the Shifte Ka, was a werewolf. Well, he brings, he brings rise that he was a werewolf from the Psukim, and, 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 and that, that, that he war- they warned Yosef, they're like, he can't leave my father, if he leaves my father, he's done. So my kashi is, he left his father, and he wasn't done. So how do you stay a human? Yaakov left him before? Hey, they took ashes with them. Whatever, whatever they had to do. Whatever they did, whatever they had to do. Anyway, you come to our walls and you share, you hear things you will never hear anywhere else. But, but he gets the credit. He showed it to me this morning. That's why he gets the credit. I would have never, I never, I don't know the safer at all, but... I will look up the Chidah, I have the Chidah, I have to see what the Chidah writes about it. It seems to be the Chidah on this, but it's, it's amazing. Okay. You want to ask something? Is <laughs> this Chidah on Binyamin related to the Tsarist that Binyamin's son Alan went through? It just says it was, it was Binyamin, it doesn't say that his son had it. It doesn't say it's hereditary. What's the Baruch here? It's not a blessing. He's saying you are. This is what you are. But if you look at Rashi, they're all metaphors. Rashi, they're all metaphors. Mardachai was a blessing. Luchanetz are all the different places. I mean, Yaman's going to win. But according to him, it was it was not a brach. He was telling him exactly what what he is. You know who he is, what he is. Do with this whatever you want, but it's it's very serious written. It's not. It's, it's you know, I believe it's the same of Irish that said that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in the, in, the, in the, if I remember correctly, that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in the Maratz All right. Oh, Chaim's here. Chaim, you missed the juice, man. Chaim, you missed it. Binyamin was a werewolf. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs>
You know what that is? No. It's a person who changes into a wolf. And back. You see that happen anywhere else? By being a vampire. You see that play out anywhere else in the Torah? Now you're like, what? What's going on? That's why you don't come late to a shear. You missed the whole thing, but okay. You see that play uh, hello, I never saw this before. I, I, I am now. I, it's only a day old, so I'm now going to research the chidah and everything that he brings down. He begins with is not a metaphor. It's not a marshal. So he's saying this is, this is real. So my story with the shadim, with the keys in the in the kavayasha. There's nothing after this. Just why like, it, just, it just went. And why would it expect to be Binyamin in Mitzrayim then? If Yehuda really knew who Binyamin was. So, he would, they would kill him. The minute he, the minute he would get claws and, and, and teeth, they'd kill him. They'll shoot him in two seconds. Of course. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You see there was a Shiloh who had to kill a child. A child that's born of it. He said, no, pull his teeth out. And cut his tail off. That was, the Rav Chaim said over that story, and that was in the times of we got chassid. So this is real stuff. Okay, so my, my subject matter tonight, the second half an hour of our shir, is as follows: We left off last week. I think, huh? Back to reality. Back to reality, right? Back to reality. Listen, whatever comes out of my mouth from a shear, specifically what happens on the day of the shear is, a, I believe, is Hashem wants the world to know. This morning, I was supposed to daven at a certain minion. I missed that minion because someone called with a critical situation. I really wanted to make that minion because it messed up my whole day, but I had to be on that phone for half an hour, which made me miss my minion. Then I came to the next minion. I came to the next minion. I daven with the next minion, but I wear, I wear Rashi and I wear Rabbeinu Tom. When I finished wearing my Rashi, I felt I had to go to the bathroom. So I didn't put on my Rabbeinu Tam. I went to the bathroom downstairs because the bathroom was ah, It took a long time because it was, it was locked upstairs, whatever. I came back, I came back up. I put on my Rabbeinu Tam. Now, I'm off of the subject every week, every day I do. So today was Shlishi to Ravi. So I do that in the shul. When I, when, when I finish my, my, my Mishnah with my Rabbeinu Tams, so I, I take off my Rabbeinu Tams, or I, or I leave them on, and I take a Chumash next to me, and I finish. For some crazy reason today, I didn't do that. Usually when I walk in, I take a Chumash with me. I didn't take a Chumash with me. So when I took off my Rabbeinu Tams, I looked at all the tables. It was already very late. None of them had Chumashim. I said, you know what? I'm not going to take a Chumash come back into the base of Madrish. I'll take a Chumash my way out, and I'll go into the library. And I'll read it in the library, which I never do, ever. So I took the Chumash to the library. I was at the 9 o'clock meeting, it's already 11 o'clock, okay? And I'm being mad with the Sedra. And Albert, I don't know why he walked in at 11 o'clock, he finished davening already. <laughs> and he, no, he didn't walk in, he just, whatever reason he walked in, he said, you know, he peeked into the library. And I was sitting there being mad with Sedra. And he said, oh my gosh, I have to show you something you're not going to believe. So it's like, so should, I so shouldn't have heard about this before today, before this year. So for some reason, I don't know the reason, right? I'm supposed to talk about this tonight. I have no idea. Maybe there's some werewolf listening to my shear, and now he won't feel so bad. Because he knows that Binyam, I'm not making a joke, I'm saying it seriously. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Alright. Anyway. But... Another point that I would like to make today, really, which is very, very, very important, um, is, Moshe, is we talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. So, I've been talking about this the whole week, since last week's year, that the whole the whole game changer, which we spoke about last week with Rosh Hashanah, the game changer of, of the world, of saving the world, and saving Yosef, and saving everybody, <coughs> wasn't saying Tehillim, wasn't davening, was asking two Arabs... What's wrong? What's, I said this last week. What's bothering you? It was the game changer. Because he did that, they said they had dreams, he translated the dreams, that's what brought him to power, made him second in command, and saved the world. Had he not asked them what's bothering you, he would have died in the jail, the, all the Egyptians would have died in the, in the seven bad years, and I don't know what would have happened to Israel. So, really, really very much, it continues in this week's passion. 
the creation of Moshe Rabbeinu, the life of Moshe Rabbeinu, the creation of our Rabbeinu, of the one that led us, came the same way. So, first of all, the beautiful shot. The measure says that when let us um, let's outsmart them who is he talking to he got up in front of the whole nation and said let's outsmart them no he was talking to his three advisors <coughs> who is the three advisors Bilam Harasha Eov and Yisrael okay he said, I have a great idea. Actually, it was Billup's idea. Let's kill the boys. Okay? Let's kill all the Jewish men. We'll have all the Goyish, we'll have all the Jewish women for ourselves. <coughs> we'll wipe out Christ. But, um, he said, let's have a vote. I have my advice, we have to have a vote. So, Yisrael took off. He took off. Why did he take off? Why did he run to Midian? He ran to Midian. He was, he was the head of Mitzrayim. He was a big man. It's because Eov, <coughs> Eov didn't say anything. Eov did not say anything. Why didn't Eov say anything? Because once Yisrael took off, and by the way, when Yisrael took off because Yisrael did not want to kill the Jewish kids, he stole the staff, the, the stick, that Paro had in his um, treasury. Where did that stick come from? That stick was the stick of Adam Harishon, and it went down, 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 down. Finally, got to Mitzrayim, and it ended up. That was the stick he took out, and he put it to a rock. And he said, "Whoever can pull that out of the rock gets to marry my daughter." And <coughs> nobody could pull it out. Moshe Rabbeinu pulled it out like it was butter, like it was nothing. So he ran away. Now, once he ran away. Eov knew that he's going to lose. Paro wanted it, and Bilamat wanted it. Now there's only three of them. So Paro's definitely going to vote, kill the kids. Right? Bilam, it's his idea, is going to vote, kill the kids. So what's Eov going to say? Don't kill the kids? He's going to lose anyway. So he didn't say anything. Right? So he got punished. He had seven daughters, he lost the seven daughters. He had money, he lost the... He had the biggest Yisurim in the world. So everybody asked Akasha... Bilam should have the biggest Yisurim. What did he do wrong? He knew he was going to lose in the vote. So he's going to say, save the kids and waste his time? And what's the meaning of the Kinegi that God gave him pain? No, you dick. When someone screams when you're in pain, the scream doesn't help the pain. Why do you scream? Because it hurts you. You cut your hands bleeding. You scream, ah, right? It doesn't stitch itself. It doesn't do anything for you. Screaming in pain doesn't take away the pain. When you go to a hospital, people are screaming. Cretching doesn't take away the pain. What are you cretching for? The terrorist is, if something hurts, you scream. Hashem said to Eov, you're right. You, you didn't scream anything because you couldn't change anything. But if it would have hurt you, you would have said no. So the Mida Kineget Mida is that it didn't hurt you because you didn't say no, so now I'm going to give you pain and you're going to scream and it's not going to help. Just like you felt, why should I say anything? It's not going to help anyway. So what are you screaming for? It's not going to help anyway. But you're screaming anyway. So you should have screamed then. Maybe take a shot. If it hurts, you got to yell. Even if you can't change anything. And when they had those votes against Akadosh Baruch Hu, with the rights votes that they had in America, you needed to protest. <laughs> Rabbi, what am I protesting? They're voting, the liberals are going to win, gay marriage is going to be legal. So why am I going to, why should I say anything? Why should I get up, why, I should get up and say something? We're going to lose anyway. What, what do you think? And the answer is yes. Because it shows that when you're in pain, you say, and it doesn't help any. So even though you know you can't help the situation, it should bother you enough that you should scream and you should protest. 
I, what could I do? I'm just one person, and they're going to vote for it anyway. I know, but why doesn't it hurt you? Why doesn't it bother you? If it hurts you and it bothers you, then you would scream. Even if you can't change it. When you're in pain, you can't change it, but you scream anyway. That's what happened to my EO. If it hurts you, you got to protest, even if you can't change it. Even if you can't change it. So that's what happened to you. Anyway, to the point that I want to get to, it's like this. So if you look at, if you look at when, when Bacho came down to the Nile. So before she said that she came down to convert, she came down to convert to be a Jew. That's why she went down. That was one of the pshatim. Another pshat is that she had, um, she had leprosy, right? So she comes down and she says the following. Listen carefully. So we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of who? Remember we learned last year? Noah, right? That's why the Pasuk says that, that she put him in a teva. She didn't put him in a teva. She put him in a tene. She put him, she put him in a basket, not in a boat. Right? So why does it say teva? Because he was a, a Gilgal of Noah since Noah was in the teva. That was his tikkun. So he had, Moshe Rabbeinu had to be in a teva. Same thing. And in, and in water, the same way he was. But Vatiftach Vatirei was Hayeled. She opened up and she saw that it was a child. Vihine Narbolcha. But Anna was crying. Vatachmol Olav. She had Rachmanis on him. Vatomen, she said, Miyalde Ha'ivrimze. This guy? This guy is a Jew. Right? And she she stretched out her hand, as Rashi says, and her hand. Rashi says she stretched out her hand. He was too far away, and and she grabbed him and she brought him in. So the kasha is, why does Hashem have to make a miracle like Gumby? Stretch out her hand, it keeps going. Bring a wind and blow the baby to her. A little wind and the boat will float to her, and she'll open it up. Take a miracle that a human hand. Today we're talking about all kinds of stuff, right? Human hand. Go stretch you all the way out. And the reason is Nayudik. What? Brismila. He was born with a Brismila. He cried like a Jew? No. No, it says, it says, no, it says, it says, it says, it says that he had a, he had a Brismila, he had a Brismila that she knew right away. And who else is putting their baby in a basket out in the middle of the Nile River? Right? So, what happens? So she does this right now. He gets, he grows up. And they bring her in back because she was nursing him, uh, his mother, his real mother, but she didn't know it was her real mother. She adopted him. She made him her son. made Moshe her son. His name was not Moshe. His Jewish name was Tuvia. She was one good. He had six other names, but the name I think that his mother gave him, or Kleisler gave him, was Tuvia. And she called him Moshe. Why? Because I took, I, I slept him, I slept him, I drew him out of the water. Okay. So now we understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made this nace. The Midah, which we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, parts of it, the, the Mida of a leader of a, of, of, of a leader of Christ or a leader of anyone is never to feel saving someone is beyond your reach I love the word because reach is it, it, the metaphor word so had Hashem brought him to the a wind and brought him she wouldn't have named him Moshe. I pulled him out. If it would have been there, she would have opened it up. Okay, his name would have been, I don't know, whatever whatever name, Arab name she would have given him. The reason he got the name Moshe, his source of who he was, was because he wasn't near her. It was impossible. And she tried anyway. A leader has to be a person who believes everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. 
the, the part of a Cherov stood in B'nai Barak. There was nothing there. He stood by himself after the Holocaust. The next thing was his one Talmud. And he said, where I'm standing right now will be the biggest yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. It was a desert. There was nothing there. There was no yeshiva. There were no shuls. It was a tiny little town that had nothing. And he stood in the middle of the town on a rock and he said, here will be the biggest yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And his Talmud looked at him and he said, Chaim, he said, Shiva, with all respect, Rebbe, you're dreaming. There's nothing here. Where are you going to get the money from? Where are you going to get the kids from? And he looked at him and he said, I'm dreaming, but I'm not sleeping. Moshe's source of who he was had to be someone who believed that nothing's beyond your reach when it comes to helping someone else. And therefore, Matya got to name him. Moshe's not a Jewish name. Moshe was named by an Arab princess, an Egyptian princess. What did the name Yochebed gave him? How could the leader of Klyasrol's name be non Jewish? What? It, it, there's one man that holds she went down to be Megaya. And it doesn't say that she pulled him out before she went into the water or after she went into the water. Most of the point she, was, she, had, she had leprosy. And she, they believed that the Nile was a god. So if you bathed in the Nile, it would, it would cure you. She had leprosy, he had leprosy, Paro had leprosy, they both had leprosy. So, so his name was his essence. So once again, it's like last week's parasha. There's a woman who felt bad for a baby who was crying. She changed the whole world. She changed the whole world. She saved Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Otherwise, he would have been out there, he would have drowned. She saved his whole life. She brought the leader of Klai Yisrael, the Mashiach, the Mashiach, whatever, to Klai Yisrael because of what? Because she was from? Because of Ben Adam L'chavero. Because it bothered her that the Jewish kid that's crying, I have to save him. So she closed her eyes and she put her hand down. Hashem did the rest. That's the only way you can be a leader. I'm not a leader. But I remember I had Ornava, which was pretty big. And I had a Terrace Nava, which is in my seminary. And a business and family and everything. And I remember the day I walked into my office. And I sat down and I said... There are kids in the street, there are girls in the street that are not in school. We're opening a high school. And my whole staff was sitting there and they're like, it's impossible. You don't have the money. You don't, you don't have the curriculum. You don't have the accreditation. You have to be accredited by the state. You don't have the teachers. You don't have the students. You don't have a building. Rabbi, you got enough to do. It's impossible. And then one of the girls who knows me very well said, oh my God, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> the minute you say it's impossible, he's going to do it. The kachaya. The kachaya. It's the only way you get things done. If something puts all these things in front of you, it looks like that, that's impossible. Once you start doing it, you realize that it's not impossible. She put her hand out when, she put her hand out when it was impossible. Now, we're going to see, you'll see the whole time that Moshe Rabbeinu had that midah. That was his meter. You can do the impossible. You can split the yamsuf. You can turn water into blood. You can turn ground into lice. You can, you, you can do the impossible. That's your name. That was who he was. But who he really became, and he's beautiful. He's so beautiful. If you look in the Pasuk, when you, this Mith Hashem the Shabbos or beforehand, it says the following. Vayigdal Hayeled. And they brought it to Basparo. So it says already that the child grew up. And then the next Pasuk says, He grew up. You just told me he grew up. The Pasuk before, you told me he grew up. Why are you telling me again? And this time it doesn't say Hayeled. It was 20 years after this. It was the same time. Because the rest of the Pasuk says, Because the rest of the Pasuk says, Right? When Moshe became um, great, he went out to his brothers, Vayabas of Lysim, and he saw it, and he saw their pain. So the Mephoshim say, this Vayidal Moshe is very different than the Vayidal Yelah. Vayidal Moshe, when did Moshe become great? 
when when he went out to his brothers and he saw their pain. That's when Moshe, that's when Moshe became Moshe Rabbeinu. That's when he became great. When he went out, he was, he was according to the Medrash, according to the Mepharshim, he was the king of Egypt. He was called the prince of Egypt. Paro gave him, like, like by Yosef, Paro gave him the keys and everything to Egypt. It's yours, you're my son. But he only had, he only had one, one child. He only had Batya. And Batya had Moshe, so to say. So Moshe was the inheritance of the king. So he was running Egypt. He was running Egypt. He was the king of the empire of the world. But what made him great? What made him Vayigdal? He finally, he went out to his brothers. He saw their pain. And then he saw the Ish Mitri killing the Ish Ivri. Hitting the Ish Ivri, so he killed them. And then the next day, Dothan and Aviram were fighting, and he said something to them. He said, ah, you're the one who killed the Mitzvah, you're going to kill us also? And he realized he's in big trouble, and then they told Paro, and Paro tried to kill Moshe, and Moshe was thrown out of Mitzrayim, and he had to run, and he ended up in Midian. So Moshe Rabbeinu actually did not spend his time in Mitzrayim. He ran. And had that not happened, that whole story, and he would have stayed in the, in the king's house, he, I don't know if he would have been not assimilated. He would have been one of them. So what made him a Jew and what got him out of Paro's house by force was that he killed a Mitzri because he saw the pain of the Jewish people. That's what ended up getting him out of that house into the Midbar. Hashem met him by the Sneh and the whole thing happened. Why? Because he became great. How did he become great? Because Vayar this is Loisam. You see another Jew's pain and you do something about it. You saw an Arab's pain and did something about it. You see someone's pain and you do something about it. That's what brings you to greatness. And Moshe Rabbeinu also. Let's talk about going to greatness and we're going to end tonight's share. You know how many, how many minutes is on the clock over there, on, the, on the tape? What does it say? 42, okay. So, 47. It's not going to be such a long share, but I want to end with something else which I think is very important for everyone in this room to, to put into your head. What's success? How does one translate success? So usually, the word that translates success is reward. In other words, if I do something that's successful, you pay me for it. You pay me money, you pay me covet, whatever it is. When I do something, I expect, I have expectations for, I did something for you, you're going to do something for me. Right? I did something. So that's, now what happened over here, when, when, um, Paro hired Shifran Pua, who was Yocheved and, Yocheved and Miriam. So, they said, listen, we got, we got the, the birthstone, the baby was, the baby was already, or the mother was holding it. We couldn't kill the baby. We couldn't kill the baby. So they got a reward. Anyone here know what their reward was? So it says the following. Listen carefully. Two psukim and we'll end. Hashem was good to the mater, to the midwives, these two. But the nation became very big. Because they feared God and they saved all the Jewish kids. Hashem made for them houses. Rashi said Hashem didn't build houses. What did Hashem do? He gave from the two of them Bate Kuhuna and Bate Levia and Bate Malchus. So the famous question is what's the Midah Kenegad Midah? The Midah Kenegad Midah that they saved so many Jewish kids is that from them should have come out a lot of kids. They're cute. They're a Shevet should have been the biggest shaver. You know, if I save kids in the world, so then the reward for that should be that from me and my 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 children, they should all have a lot of healthy children. What's Bate Kuhuna and Bate Levia and Bate Malchus have to do with Mida Kenegi Mida? Anyone have an idea? The very sharp terrorists. Oh, what did they save? They didn't save the Jewish nation because... 
Jews go by the mother. So by, by, if all the boys would have been killed, and all the Jewish women would have been with Egyptian men and gotten pregnant, would the Jewish nation have been destroyed? No, every single kid would have been a Jew. So they didn't, they didn't save the Jewish nation by, by saving the boys, because if the boys died, the children from them are still Jewish. But Kahuna and Malchus and Levia go by who? The Shevet goes not by the mother, but by the father. So what did they save? They didn't save Yisrael. They saved Kahuna. Because if they would have, all the men would have been killed, and they would have been with Egyptian men, their children would have been Jews, but not Kahanim. Can't be a Kayan if your father's a guy. And not a Levi. And you can't be a king if your father's a guy either. So what they saved was, by saving the men, was Kahuna and Malchus and Levia. So that's why it was Mida, Kenega, Mida. But the point that I want to make, which is a very important point in life, is the Pasuk before that. It says, And Hashem was good to the midwives. And the nation multiplied a lot. You didn't tell me how Hashem was good to them. You tell me Hashem was good to them. And then the next passage says, and because you feared, Hashem gave you a bracha. So it seems to be, the two, the, it's not a run-on passage. There are two separate psukim. So this is the turrets. It's a fantastic turrets. How is Hashem good to them? What, what does it mean to be good to you when you're successful at what you do? Hashem, Hashem was good to them when they saw that by saving the boys, the nation, the Jewish nation, multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and became strong, they saw that their work was successful. That's the greatest type. The greatest type is not the reward you're going to have Kahuna and Levia and all that. That's a reward. What's the greatest type? The greatest type is when you're successful. So when you do something for someone's like, okay, no, you owe me. No. You don't owe me nothing. I work on kids, right, girls that, that are off the derech. So I, I brought them on the derech. So I'm like, okay, Hashem. You know, I'm going out for an order for a plastic bag. It's got to happen, you know. My father's dying. He's sick. You, you owe me. You owe me. You know, you got, you got to make him live because you owe me. I, 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 all these years, I helped all your girls. And Hashem's like, no, the greatest, the greatest good I could do for you is that that girl gets healed, goes to the chuppah, you're by the wedding, she gets married, she has children, and she's successful. That's the greatest by Yitav. Not that I pay you back with something. So the Torah separates it. The Torah says, you, you, you feared me? I asked them, I paid you back. I gave you them. But Kitoiv? What's Kitoiv? What's the Toiv? The year of all my that you were successful. That's the Toiv. The Toiv is, you learn Torah? And you're successful at understanding the Gemara? That's the type. Oh, I learned the Gemara. I already owe me $20. I got tested. No. The type is the Gishmak. You, you learned the Gemara. You conquered it. You understand it. That is the greatest type. The greatest type is to be successful at what you do. That's what happened in the Pasuk. The Pasuk is saying, by Yitavlehem, not that you're going to have children, a lot of children or kahuna. You were successful. Who understood this secret more than anyone else? The Mitzrim. The Mitzrim knew how to break someone. How do you break someone? You give them work that you know they will not be successful. So the first thing it says here in the Torah, when, when they enslaved us, is they told us they have to make two cities called Pisom and Ramses. Pisom and Ramses were in quicksand. They would build it, and it would get sucked into the world, into the ground. They would build it, and it would get sucked into the ground. Pisum and Ramses is what broke. They, they, they built sphinxes. They built all these other things. doesn't talk about that. Because that didn't break them. If you're a slave, my father told me that in the old days down south, so he used to drive down south for business. So they had, I forgot what they were called, on the side of the road, prisoners that were in jail chain gang, they're called a chain gang they'd be all chained, right along the side of the road and then they, they would have them just go to places like where there are rocks, and just chip rocks away but nothing, do nothing just chip rocks away, at the end of the day these people were totally broken because 
even if you're a slave, let's say they make you build a building, at the end, you finish, you tackle a slave, but you're like, wow, I built that. So you feel good. It doesn't break you. What breaks you is when I set you up for failure. So the Jews kept building, they're like, building, collapse, building, collapse. So at the end of the day, when a person works and works and is not successful, it's what breaks your spirit. They knew that secret. So the opposite of that is, according to who said, I'm going to show you that you are successful, that the nation is successful. That's the biggest vayita. So when a person takes on something to do and you're successful, you need, you need to understand that's the greatest good that a Kodesh Baruch Hu could give you, is that you're successful in what you did. But it wasn't a waste. I daven, every morning my Shachas, I'm like, Hashem, I only have a certain amount in the day. I only have a certain amount of it. It may be a little bit of a Balgaiva Tvila, but I thought, but I said, Kodesh Baruch Hu, I only have a certain amount of hours in the day. Just send me kids I can help. I don't want to talk three hours to a kid who, in the end, is not going to change anyway. If I only have 10, 12, 14 hours to do this, send me kids that, that have a shot, that, that could change. Because after a while, you keep working on kids and kids and kids, and they stay off the derrick and they get worse, and then you're going to stop. Because a person needs to be successful. Because that's what, that's what makes it feel good. So you keep working and you keep losing, you keep working, you keep losing, you keep working, at a certain point you're like, I'm not doing this anymore. Bacha said, nothing's impossible. Put your hand out. Try. Bacha had Siat Her name was Bas Hashem. What was her name? Bacha means the daughter of God. So there's many reasons why she was called the daughter of God. One reason is because he called himself a God. So what would he name his, what would he name his daughter? Paro said, I'm a God. I'm the, I am God. He went to, I don't, I don't know if it's Hebrew. I mean, I don't know what that... Yeah, what, he called her Batya. He was called Batya. And another reason... I don't know why it was called Lashen Kodesh. Well, Moshe became Lashen Kodesh. Also. Moshe became... It was probably translated. It was probably daughter of God in, in Egyptian. And the Torah translates to Baskov. But there's another reason. And the other reason is... Okay, it's very late. But it's a... It's a... Um, it's a Havas Chaim... That who was Basia and who was Sipporah, Moshe's wife, that in, in the times of Korach, uh, I think it may even be a little bit from the Chidot also. In the times of Korach, Korach started a rumor that Moshe Rabbeinu was committing adultery. So the Medrash says that all the women, could you believe this? They were Lashon Hara, when Moshe Rabbeinu would walk by the tent, the men would pull their women in. That here comes the adulterer. So they ask Akasha, I mean, you can come up with Lashon Hara, but that's totally, that's totally out of hand. Where did it come from? Where did this come from? In other words, Karaf can say a lot of things, but where did it come from? He, he was a Lamdashi guy, right? So where did it come from that he said, Moshe Rabbeinu was an adulterer? Like, what? where did that come from? That's like out of left field. Alas Chaim says something very big. Alas Chaim says, I would have brought it to read it to you because it's just as weird as the weird, it's just as different, not weird, Tafshon, as the werewolves. Avos Chaim says this, the following thing happened. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Gilgal of Hevel, that we know. And Korach was a Gilgal of Kayan. Okay? How do you know that? We know that for sure, because Kayan had to be Masakain, the murder of his brother. So he came back as Korach. Now, when you do a Tikkun on a Gilgal, you have to be in the same place that you did the Avera, and you have to have the same Yetzirah. Everything has to be the same. Otherwise, you didn't fix what you did last time. So if you look at the... If you look, there's a Mishnah Pekah. The Mishnah Pekah says that a, 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 ten things were created in Hashemosh's Erev Shabbos in the sixth period. One of them was Pihoaretz. There's somewhere in the world that there's a mouth. Not, 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 a, not, a, not a, a... What's it called? When the earth opens up. Not, a, um, not an earthquake. It's a mouth. Like a mouth with lips, like a mouth that opens. So it says that Hashem created this mouth of the earth when He created the world. Why? So that the whole thing with Kairach, the, the, the earth opens its mouth and it swallowed them up. But it says that word, the mouth, in Pasha's Noach. In Pasha's Noach, when, when I'm sorry, in Pasha's Barashas, when He kills His brother, so Hashem says to him, You should be cursed. 
It opens its mouth, it opens, the earth opens its mouth. The kachas is to accept the blood. But the Mishnah Pekiova says that there's only one mouth. So how can it be a mouth by, by here and be a mouth by Kairach? And the answer is it's the same mouth. The same place that Hevel was killed, that's where Kairach went against Moshe. It has to be because there's only one mouth. Now, listen to this. What did, what did Hashem say to him? Hashem said, I hear, what did you do? The voice of your brother's blood is screaming at me from the ground. What was the punishment to Karach and his sons? The ground opened up, swallowed them, and forever there's a voice that comes out of a hole. The Gemara brings down, there's an Arab, and he, he showed it to someone, there's a hole in the earth, and you put it down your ear, you hear, Moshe Emes Viterasi Emes. So, the, when you killed Hevel, right, there was a voice coming from the earth, now that you didn't be Masake, now your voice is going to come from the earth. What was, what was the fight between Cain and Hevel? Cain was jealous of Hevel that Hevel's carbon was accepted, and Cain's carbon was not accepted. What was Kairach's taina to Moshe Rabbeinu? Why did your brother have a right to be a Cain, and he has a right to be a carbon, and we don't have the right to a carbon? So it was the same test, in the same place, and he failed. Okay? So they were, so what happened was like this. She was a Gilgal. Kairach was a Gilgal. When Cain killed Hevel, Hevel was married. He had a wife. He had no children yet. So the din of Yibam. The din of Yibam is that the brother, the wife of the dead brother, has to marry the live brother to bring children in the world in that name. So Cain said that Hevel's wife, which was Zipporah, well, we'll talk about it in a minute, Hevel's wife has to marry him. And she didn't marry him. So therefore, Moshe is not allowed to be with her at Zipporah because she was supposed to really marry Cain. Moshe said, that's ridiculous. The halacha in Ibum is, let's say the brother likes his brother's wife, so he's going to go kill his brother, and now his brother's wife has to marry him. So the halacha in Ibum is, if, if you kill your brother, the wife of your brother is not, there's no Ibum. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, what are you talking about, Karach? There's no such halacha. But since the story unwound already, the story happened already, so that's what happened. And the Medrash says that the two daughters of Adam, the two daughters of Adam, were in this world, they were very beautiful, he had two daughters, because each son, Cain and Hevel, were born with a sister. And uh, the Nephilim, the giants, the the, 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 the the angels who said, the world is terrible, and Hashem said, if you were in the world, you'd be worse. They said, no, Hashem threw them down. When Hashem threw them down, they, they, it says, benais adam. they saw the Benoist Adam, and they wanted to be with them. And the uh, Benoist Adam, who were these two girls, said, one second, we know what you're going to do. You're going to get us pregnant, right? And then you're going to go back to Shemayim. And you're going to leave us here. So here's the deal. You give us the 72 name of Hashem, the 72 letter name of Hashem, then we'll marry you because if you run to Shemayim, we'll use the 72 letter name to run to Shemayim also. So they gave them, this is Nayu Medrash, so they gave them the names, but they didn't want to be married to these Rishav, the Nephilim. So the minute they gave them the names, they took off and they went to Shemayim. And it brings down that they were in Shemayim and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, took them as babies and sent them and threw them back into this world because they had to come back into this world and they ended up in Mitzrayim and one of them was Bacha and one of them was Sipora and Paro and, and this is what the Medrash says and Paro was walking with Yisro in the marketplace and they were or in the, in the field and they found these two babies perfect babies and there was no one claimed them there was no mother there was no father so Yisro took one because he was the, the advisor. He took Tzipora and Paro took the other one and said, this baby came from heaven, from God. Batya, Bas Hashem. 
there's no parents, sort of like of that religion. And he called her Batya. And that was Batya, who, who ended up taking Moshe Rabbeinu in, the Zavas Chaim, who ended up taking Moshe Rabbeinu in, saving Moshe Rabbeinu, bringing up Moshe Rabbeinu. That was the Adam's daughter, who was in Shemayim, who ended up coming down. So the bottom line after this whole shear, what you see is not what you get. <laughs> Everything you think you know, you don't know. So stay tuned next week, Mr. Shem, for some new Hidushim. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.